the reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and we're going to kick it off with the Golden Globes, which happened last night, even though we're recording the day before, which means they're in our future, but your past, which is pretty damn clever of us. I feel like doing some time traveling, and I I say time traveling, and you change the background on your video to dinosaurs. Thanks. It's so cool. So... <laughs> He just got the new new update on Skype, and he's so happy. Um, yeah, so anyway, you wanted to say something about the Golden Globes, which yes, I'm not going to pay any attention to because it's an awards thing. And I, I like awards shows. I don't really care for the Golden Globes that much because, to me, they're typically interminable. I may watch uh, tonight because Polar and Faye are back hosting, which I much prefer to Ricky Gervais because, as I was saying in pre-pro, hi, Ted. Beat you this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Ricky Gervais in like 10, 15-minute talk show segments, but two hours of, of of his extremely witty slander just is overkill to me. So uh, I'm happy that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are back on because they do a terrific job. But I still won't probably watch much of it. One thing about the Golden Globes, though, uh, a movie which I will talk about later in the show called Minari, there's a little bit of a hubbub about it. Okay, so preface, if you don't know, the Golden Globes are an award show presented by the Foreign Press Association of Hollywood. Uh, they have a rule for their best film nominees. For whatever reason, the language of the film, the primary language of the film has to be English. If less than 50% of the dialogue in the film is English, it cannot be nominated for best picture. Minari, which, in my point of view, should definitely be nominated for that, is not eligible for Best Picture. So even though this is a United States production, it is not eligible for Best Picture. It is only entered in the Best Foreign Language Film, which is absolutely ironic and stupid and atrocious. And this, the Foreign Press Association needs to get their together and fix this for next year. Because this is very much about the American experience. And for this film to not be eligible is something of a meta statement on kind of what the film is about itself. So nice you know job, to, morons. I'll say go ahead and review it now. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about it. And I yeah. will admit um, Minari sounds like something from Babylon 5. So, <laughs> and Minari actually refers to a Korean plant, <clears throat> which is has some importance in the film in, in several ways. So this is about... A Korean family which relocates to Oklahoma. This takes place in the 80s. And the dad in the film, played by Stephen Yen, who, one of the former superstars of The Walking Dead, who, spoiler alert, he got killed off about five years ago. So, if, you know, sorry if I spoiled that for you. So he plays the dad and he moves his family out to Oklahoma uh, because his dream is to have a farm. And He's, so he's got a double-wide trailer set up out on 50-odd acres, and he's talking about how great the dirt is and everything else, and his wife is standing there just standing staring at this trailer saying, this is not what you promised me, in Korean, because, again, they're a Korean family. They know English, but like many families who have immigrated, they speak their first language when they're at home. So, again, most of this is in Korean. It's got subtitles. You'll live through it. And then some of it's in English. So she is shocked because he doesn't even have steps built up. So she has to pull herself up into this trailer. 
<clears throat> and she's quite flexible because, you know, she can get her foot up that high. It's like four feet off the ground. <clears throat> so she is just kind of devastated over this. Uh, as you can imagine, when you're told by your husband, uh, this is going to be our dream, you'll love it, and doesn't bother to tell you, oh, you're going to be on a double wide, just out in the middle of the sticks, nowhere. Cool. So there's a lot of family drama over just the fact that he's made this move because his dream doesn't match her dream. She's more of a city girl. Uh, their day jobs is they, they work at a chicken processing plant, sexing chicks, as in looking at their bottoms and saying, this is a male, this is a female. That's their job. That's what they do to make enough money. So that's what he did to make enough money to buy his little farm, which is not a farm yet. He has to turn it into a farm. It's a family drama because... They have two kids. One kid has a heart murmur, and they're constantly telling him, don't run, don't run. And, you know, you're concerned, oh, it's going to be one of those movies. Happily, it's not one of those movies. The kid doesn't die, spoiler alert. So, you know, but, it, but that is an aspect, the child's health. So it's the strife between the, the dad and the mom, who clearly love each other. It's just they're getting through this process. And then she wants to bring her mom there to live with them because she feels that, her husband hasn't really cared for her side of the family, so mom comes to move in. And mom is really funny, uh, the comedy that's in this film. I would say this is a drama with some comedy to it, not a comedy drama. But she does provide the, the light moments. She's kind of a rascal. Um, the young boy doesn't really care for her. He says that she's not a grandma. She can't cook. She can't bake cookies. She curses. She teaches them a card game. And she's constantly cursing when she plays the card game. It's hilarious. <clears throat> but she's just not a comic relief character. She's a real person. All of these people are very well fleshed out, interesting characters. You're really interested. I was really interested, I should say, in just the struggles of getting the farm up and going and, and the disasters that happen, minor disasters that happen occasionally here and there that help drive the plot but which are very organic which things that are actually happen to people and so this and there are a little couple tinges of of i don't even know if i would say it's it's racism but just of people pointing out the differences to them and so it's not so much about about racism it's about wanting to fit into society but maintaining your own culture which is an extremely important topic, too. Uh, again, the acting is terrific. It, it went in a few directions that I didn't expect. Like, again, spoiler alert, no, the kid doesn't die, so calm down. Uh, but his health is an important aspect of the film. Um, the farm itself is an important aspect of the film. And Minari, which, again, is a plant which Grandma brought over, brought some seeds over, and that turns out to be... Uh, not just an important plot device, but it also is something of a metaphor for what the entire film is about. So for to me, and I, several movies came out last year that I really, really like. But for me, Minari, and I just saw it as a, like hours before we recorded this, so maybe because it's fresh in my mind, but Minari was the best picture last year. Uh, certainly is among the best pictures so for the golden globes to not even allow it to be nominated is ridiculous so we'll see what happens if it's going to be nominated when the oscars nominations come out in a, in a few weeks from here but excellent film uh yes it's mostly in korean learn to read subtitles get over it it's a great great movie 
absolutely love Minari. But not worth watching the Golden Globes for. Because it's not there. About. It's, no. Actually, you know, speaking of things that we're not going to watch, I'm not going to watch the Golden Globes either. Um, something else I'm not going to watch. Something coming to the Peacock Network. And I don't know if you saw this. It, I might just to see what happens, because it sounds like a car wreck <laughs> in almost a literal sense. They're... The Peacock Network is making a TV show based on the video game Frogger. I miss that, and I will miss it. No, well, no, hang on a minute. <clears throat> it's a competition show. So uh, it's my understanding that they're going to take actual people and have them run through traffic and jump over logs and stuff. I may watch at least a commercial just to go, really? But for the most part, yeah, I can see it getting old really quick. It, it it already got old. It's already the, the video game got old really quick. Yeah, not watching it. Um, wow. Yeah. Something else I'm not going to watch uh, would be the new Aquaman series. And I don't know if you saw this. HBO Max and and DC got together and made an animated Aquaman series that looks hideous. <laughs> I have not seen a trailer for um, it now. I'm, I'm refusing to watch this. It looks kind of like Adventure Time and Spongebob had a kid. Ooh, it's Wow. It, it, it looks bad. But the thing that really irks me about this is DC wants us to take Aquaman seriously as a superhero. <laughs> and then I keep doing crap like this. And yeah. I don't think they know what they're doing. Well, DC has, has made it clear for the better part of a decade, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, absolutely not. As as evidenced by the bajillion reboots, including yeah. the uh, forthcoming Superman reboot, right. which now part of this sounds good. J.J. Abrams right. is on board and Ta-Nehisi Coates is yep. writing it. Now, right. some people are speculating that this may be the reboot of Superman where Michael B. Jordan plays Superman. There is no official word on that. Right. I'm not, not against even, it. Yeah, but, there's not even an official word that they're even going to do a recast. It's not that Henry Cavill right. is necessarily out. But yeah, those rumors have been floating around about Michael B. Jordan as Superman, who would be terrific because he's terrific. Uh, Tanasi Coates, uh, if people may not realize, uh, kind of a respected author because he's a Pulitzer Prize winner, but also highly respected for his run on the Black Panther comic and also did a run on Captain America. So the guy knows... The guy and, knows the territory. And he's actually a nice guy. Yeah. I, uh, several years ago, I wanted to quote him in an, on another show, mm -hmm. but I wanted to, to do it properly. And you know how I, I have a thing about pronouncing people's names correctly. Right. So I tweeted him. I said, <clears throat> I, I, I'm not meaning to make fun of you or anything. I just want yeah. a, an official pronunciation of your name. And he actually tweeted back. It's like this. <laughs> how cool. It's like, that's, thank that's you. Pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Someone did jump me on this. It's like that in Wikipedia. I'm like, dude, I can make a Wikipedia page. I wanted an official thing. Yeah. So there. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. yeah the, I, the fact that this, Bad Robot is on on board and that Coates is is the writer. That's those are that looks good. definite. That looks awesome. So see, there's something I'll watch. Yeah. Oh my god. Absolutely. It's like hell yes, I'm watching that. That could be the best Superman since Superman two. It's yeah, been a, it's been a few minutes since we've had a really good Superman on film, frankly. So I'm that that makes me very very excited. 
Let's see. Uh, what do you think about the disclaimer on the Muppet Show? I want Remind to... me. Remind <laughs> me. Uh, first off, Donald Trump Jr. said he's very unhappy that the Muppet Show got canceled. That was his quote this week on this. I'm like, no, it, he thinks it's part of the cancel culture thing, and it's not just because it now has a disclaimer saying this was recorded in the 70s and there may be some potentially offensive content. Oh, right. That disclaimer. OK. Um, for me, the big part of this story, and I thought this is hilarious and I'm almost tempted to watch it just for this. Someone had to redo <laughs> the subtitles for the show, including the Swedish chef. <laughs> I'm almost tempted to watch it just for that to go. So, so what does that say? FRDR, FRDR, FRDR. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. may be even more clueless than his father, and that takes some work. That's impressive. Um, yeah, I was super excited. My kids are super excited that Disney Plus has added the Muppet Show because that's not been available for a long time. And that's a great, great series. Absolutely terrific. So, I mean, they, they did mention some things like Johnny Cash performing <laughs> in front of a uh, Confederate flag. They went, today, not exactly the most politically correct thing you can do. Right. I think even back then, it ne wasn't necessarily. Um, I don't recall that episode. And I've seen I don't a lot of them originally, but I'll look for it. And, of course, that's one of the good things about the Disney Plus is you can find any episode you want and play it. But you don't the only one I've watched so far was the first one was uh, one with. Rita Moreno, um, which is an interesting first guest. Uh, someone's got to be first, so and she's very funny. Uh, the show itself is is very funny, but the guests are what makes it really interesting because you have all these stars, which many of them, most of them probably, aren't even with us any longer. So it's a pretty interesting snapshot of of that time period. Very very cool show. So yeah, they're, they're, they should have a disclaimer in front of it. It's like, I would much rather have a disclaimer and not have anything edited or just be able to see it. Uh, Song of the South. Hello, Disney Plus. Let's take care of that. So, you know, I mean, they've done some editing of, of rather than just show a disclaimer. It's like, yeah, this is a product of its times. And, and instead they're editing the pizza it. oven thing in Lilo and Stitch. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, no worries about having a disclaimer for something like that, for sure. Uh, let's see. Something else is coming up. CBS is planning a revival of the long lost series Criminal Minds. The hell? That ended last year, and they're already talking revival, which <clears throat> confuses yeah. the hell out of me. <sighs> I think it's it, too soon. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. I would say it is indeed. I don't know. Rather, rather strange. Um, something else that they're making, remaking, and this actually sounds interesting. And I'm going to go into this a little bit. Edgar Wright uh, is looking to helm a new version of The Running Man. Yes, he is. Um, now, this is supposed to be closer to the original version than the 1987 movie. And guess what I'm reviewing first? <laughs> huh? Yeah, sense. I'm cheating. It's, a, it's the best segue I've done in a while. Uh, if you have not seen the 1987 version of The Running Man... I'm going to recommend it. Um, it's set in a dystopian future, which ironically was two years ago. Who knew? <laughs> um, anyway, convicts are given the opportunity to gain their freedom by competing on a game show run by Richard Dawson, formerly of Family Feud and Hogan's Heroes. And he is awesome in this. 
and sexual harassment. Well, uh, he is he is awesome in this. Yeah, that that's pick that that's picky. But anyway, a wrongly accused man, Ben Richards, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, is the contestant along with William Laughlin, who is played by Yafet Kato, and Harold Weiss, played by Marvin McIntyre. They play. A, a, they're on this game show as a trio running for their lives from an assortment of characters that are almost superhero-like. You got a guy named Buzzsaw who has chainsaws. Dynamo is this fat opera-loving guy that shoots electricity. Uh, Fireball is played by NFL great Jim Brown, only with flamethrowers. So, you know, you get the superheroes chasing the bad guys, and it's on TV. It's a big thing. There's a lot of people betting on it and everything. Um, anyway, our hero's only hope is to find the resistance and overthrow the regime and maybe even clear Ben Richards' name. And I was amused that the resistance was run by Mick Fleetwood and Weasel <laughs> Zappa. <laughs> yes. That's just so bizarre. Um, the movie is graphic in places, but it's a lot of fun. And it's allegedly based on a story by Stephen King. Technically published under the name Richard Bachman, but that's a pseudonym for Stephen King. And what does it have to do with the Stephen King story? Well, there are some similarities. Uh, the novel version uh, doesn't happen for another four years. It's in 2025. Uh, ben Richards isn't a convict. He's just a broke guy who needs to win money on the show. And the premise on the show is not you have this section of Los Angeles to run around in. It's we're giving you a 12-hour head start to go anywhere in the world before the hunters are sent after you. Yep. And the contestants earn $100 an hour with a grand prize of a of a billion dollars if you survive for 30 days, which comes out to $72,000 if you go by the $100 an hour thing, just for those of you who want to do math. Of course, I don't know why you're listening to us if you want to do math, but that's beside the point. Anyway, there, uh, there are certainly differences, and I think the book has a better story and premise, but the movie is an awful lot of fun. So, you know, it, it, not Oscar worthy, but fun, which is what movies I think are for. Very, very so, fun. And uh, I agree. On, the book, the book is very different from the movie. The book's yeah. really entertaining, but it's a lot darker than the, than the movie. And the movie is, movie's a lot of fun for sure. Absolutely. It's on Prime Video. It's on Vudu, iTunes, Apple TV, probably a lot of other places. And not nominated for a Golden Globe. To to bring it around a little bit, the the director also directed a few episodes of uh, Criminal Minds. Actually, only one episode of Criminal Minds, but also directed a few episodes of Starsky and Hutch, because it's Paul Michael Glazer who actually was, of course, one of the stars of Starsky and Hutch. So I, I did not even realize that he, that. that he directed that. So a Criminal Minds tie-in for you with The Running Man. Ooh, weird. But yeah, that's a super fun movie. Absolutely. You know, don't, don't show it to the kids. They're not ready yet. But yeah, it's no. mainly because of Buzzsaw. It's a guy with chainsaws. It's not going to end well. No, it isn't. I'm just saying. And and has a future governor in it too, Jesse the Body. I, I did not bring him up because I thought he was a dork. <laughs> <laughs> kind of was. Both in and out of the movie and even in the ring, if you want to be really picky about it. Um, yes, he can still kick my ass, but that's not the point. <laughs> anyway, um, 
it was a movie I remember liking a lot as a kid. I cared a lot about that movie, and you care a lot about one of the other movies. I actually want to ask you about this because you said you're gonna you, you watched a movie called I Care a Lot. I did watch this movie called I Care. Does that a have lot. anything to do with the Faith No More song? It does. It does not have anything to okay. do with Faith No More. I, I I had not heard of it until this week, and I saw that, and I went, "Is that a Faith No More documentary?" I I care and a lot. It has nothing to do with that. And I was initially disappointed that the phrase is actually not uttered in the film, despite that there are several opportunities for it. And after I thought about it, I thought, yeah, it's good that they didn't go with the easy one. (laughs) So this is on Netflix. I care a lot. This is one of their more popular offerings just in the past week or so. Uh, Stars Rosamund Pike. And she plays a professional caregiver of people who can no longer care for themselves. So she acts as an administrator. She helps them find a facility, a care facility, which will take care of their needs, take care of their medical needs, their day-to-day living. She administers their uh, possessions, her their estate, however, you know, if they need to uh, sell their home to p- provide the money for this care facility, she takes care of that. She makes sure that bills are taken care of. She So she becomes their financial administrator and their medical supervisor all in one. Wonderful, right? Well, the problem is she's running a scam. So she has a doctor in her pocket. The doctor declares someone incompetent. Then she has a facility in her pocket. <clears throat> they set up a slightly expensive room for them. She sells off all their possessions to pay the facility, to pay the doctor, and to pocket some of the money on the profit. So she's got a board of, I don't know, maybe three dozen people. She has a pretty big office suite. She has a large staff of people who help her run this horrible, horrible scam. She's a horrible person in this film. She she does a good job of playing horrible people. <clears throat> if you remember Gone Girl. <clears throat> so not a likable character, but a very interesting character. She happens to pull a scam on a pretty wealthy lady, Diane, played by Diane Wiest, and tosses her in this facility, and she is even more resistant than a lot of them. Somehow manages, even though they're pretty much locked up tight as a drum, she manages to get word out to her son. Her son's not thrilled about this. Uh, And that's a problem because her son isn't a very nice person. He's actually a pretty ruthless uh, criminal and played by Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is awesome in this. He is absolutely fantastic in this. Uh, he is not a nice person. So eventually, Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage, you may remember him as like really the star of Game of Thrones, uh, even more than the dragons. Uh they have a bit of a disagreement about the fact that she should release mom. Uh, a disagreement like he threatens to kill her. And she's so ballsy, she says, yeah, okay. Go ahead. You're not going to get your money back. You're not going to get back what what I stole that your mom was hiding for you. Uh, so, yeah, fine. It's like, once I'm dead, I won't be there. I won't know anything about it. Who cares? She just calls his bluff, and things escalate from there. So it turns into something of a battle of wills and wits and more physical aspect to it between Marla, 
played by Rosamund, and Roman, played by Peter. Um, it's not a great film, but I think it's a really good film. It does take a few twists that I didn't expect. Very fun, interesting twist. The last part definitely takes a big twist that I totally did not expect. Um, is it great? Like I said, no. But very entertaining. Rosamund Pank is awesome in this. Peter Dinklage is like off the charts terrific in this. So just for those two performances alone, highly recommend that you watch. And again, this is on Netflix. Watch I Care A Lot. And the only thing she cares about clearly is herself, which makes it kind of hideous. See, that is a far cry from the other film I watched this week, which is just, I, I went really old because I live uh, close in the to past. Uh, well, you're not kidding. I live in Harlem, <laughs> Georgia, which, uh, well, next to Harlem, Georgia, which is where Oliver Hardy was born. And boy, do they make a big deal out of it. Um, As they should. But uh, so I, I've been trying to watch some Laurel and Hardy stuff because I've never really gotten into it. And I watched one this week called Way Out West <laughs> from 1937. So we're coming up on 100 years of this. Um, now, some of you have probably seen at least a little bit of it because there's a dance number at the beginning with Laurel and Hardy in an old West setting. And it has been remixed with about 5,000 different songs played over their dance scene, ranging from, I've seen 50 cent to Carlos Santana. You're not <laughs> going to get much of a bigger range than that. The one with Santana is actually pretty good, but uh, yeah, the story for this Laurel and Hardy, two bumbling idiots near as I can tell, um, are, are tasked with delivering the deed to a gold mine to a girl named Mary Roberts who works at a bar in Brushwood Gulch. We don't really get what state that is. It's implied that it's out west somewhere. Fine. But they don't know what she looks like. Now, they end up telling a, a bartender that they're looking for Mary Roberts, and so he convinces his wife, who's a stage girl, you can pretend to be Mary Roberts and we'll get the deed and we can get out of here and it, it mayhem ensues because they have to get the deed back and give it to the right girl. Complicated plot? No, we see it a lot these days. Um, it's not even a long movie. It's just over an hour. But here's the reason I think you should watch this. Because it came out in 1937. But you will see about 30 or 40 scenes in this film that have been directly translated into either Looney Tunes or Scooby-Doo cartoons. <laughs> Only these are visual gags played out with actual real people in them. Because I remember seeing the cart... That, that's the reason I didn't stop about 10 minutes in, because I went, this is kind of crap. And then they had one of those scenes, and I went, hang on a minute, that was in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and I went back and watched, the, watched it again and went, Hang on a minute. That was in Bugs Bunny, and that was in this, and that was in that. It's one of those things where uh, so many people have watched this, and you don't realize that they copied stuff from this movie. So the the movie itself, honestly, was kind of it, it's it's a hundred years old. It's kind of crap because we are looking at it through the eyes of today, but we're also looking at all these scenes that were at the time very copyable and they end up everywhere else. So, uh, and bonus points, 
If you get the Pluto app, you can watch this movie for free. There's there's a reason that they are renowned as comic it geniuses really and, and, and innovators because they were. I mean, I have actually watched some of their silence. Yes, they were around in the silent film period. And and again, because so much of their shtick is physical. They did a lot of verbal comedy too, but not to the extent of the Marx Brothers. But so much so much of his physical, it works really well. I mean, it, it's a testament to them that they were able to even expand it once sound came into the films. But yeah, I mean, these guys were tremendously talented, tremendously talented. So not surprising that so many of their bits have been translated over and over again. So very cool that you can watch it for free also. Yeah. Very cool. Bonus points. Uh, My last film, not a film you can watch for free, but if you have Amazon Prime, you can access it. So it's not free yet, but it will be. Um, not my favorite film of the three that I uh, that I reviewed, but I still really like this film. I was very entertaining. It's called Shadow in the Cloud. So this is an action horror flick <clears throat> set in World War II, which has kind of become kind of a subgenre of World War II horror movies like Overlord. Uh, this isn't nearly as scary. This is more of an action picture than Overlord was. Overlord is like straight horror and a really good picture. Uh, pretty much a no-name cast, except for the star, Chloe Grace Moretz. That's right. It's Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. Um, excellent actress. She's very, very good in this. So, plot, basically. This young lady <clears throat> talks her way onto a flight of a B-17 bomber. Because she has to get some place, and she's got a top-secret package. She's got this big briefcase, but kind of of a wide briefcase, a thick briefcase that she's carrying. says, okay, I have these orders. Here's my orders. I have to go on this flight. I have to take this with me. This has to be secure. And they're kind of treating her like crap because, again, this is during World War II, and times were a little bit different. So they're abusive, being kind of assholes because... A lot of guys kind of were, especially in the military. And having been in the military in the 70s, guys were kind of treated women like crap and a lot of guys in the military back in the 70s. So they damn sure did in the 40s. <clears throat> so they kind of belittle, belittle her. and But they, they finally say, okay, fine, you can come with us. And people are making cracks about what they'd like to do with her and all this other garbage. Well, they force her to ride in the gun turret where she'll be safe. Why they force her to do that, I have no idea. It didn't really make sense in the context of the film. But they make her right in the gun turret. Which, again, there's a turret hanging underneath the belly of the plane. So she goes in the turret. They kind of close her off. And she can hear what they're talking about. And one of the guys, one of the guys appears to be decent. And he's, like, watching the case for her because it wouldn't even fit through the hatch into the turret. So he's watching the case. And she sees... Like a shadow in the cloud. Ooh, a shadow in the cloud. Not quite sure what it was. And she's trying to tell them. And they go, oh, poor little girl is scared, blah, blah, blah. And they don't believe her. Uh, Turns out, and this is not a spoiler because anything, if you read anything about this or see anything in it, you'll see it's a gremlin. Now, this was a big thing back in the 40s when things went wrong on planes. There's this like semi-joking, but not completely joking mythology that gremlins caused it. You mentioned Bugs Bunny before. Yeah, I remember that one. 
There's a terrific cartoon when, when Bugs Bunny fights a gremlin. Uh, one of the best scenes is like the gremlin is hammering on a bomb with a hammer, and he's just kind of like whacking it. And Bugs says, yeah, let me let me help you with that, shorty. And he takes the hammer and he winds up like only Bugs Bunny can wind up, like anatomically impossible. And gets ready to absolutely slam the bomb and grinds to a halt. And he goes, what am I doing? And God, it's just an awesome cartoon. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's better than Shadow in the Cloud. But Shadow in the Cloud is still very good. <clears throat> so she's the only one who knows this gremlin is there and is tearing up the plane and nobody believes her because they can't see it because she's underneath the belly of the plane and there everyone else is up above. Finally, they, they have fig- the glass bottom plane. Yeah, they don't. And finally, they figure it out. She also sees an enemy Japanese fighter warns them. They don't believe it until, oh my God, it's attacking. And turns out that she happens to be pretty handy in a gun turret. So she's definitely a badass in this film, like kind of a Ripley level badass. So she's fighting, making all these battles. Now it gets a little insane because she uh, crawls out of the plane while it's flying on the bottom of the plane. Uh, uh, yeah, there's curious. little there's little handholds and stuff so that she can grip on, and maybe there were would be enough handholds in the on the plane where you could actually do that. But you sure as hell can't do it while it's flying probably 150 miles an hour. Uh, even if you could, her hair needed to be flying a lot more than it was. It was flying, but it looked like it was flying at about maybe 20 miles an hour. So <clears throat> that part was like way over the top ridiculous. That that requires immense suspension of disbelief. If you get past that, it was still entertaining. So she's helping fight the Japanese fighters. She's helping fight the gremlin. Uh, things go on from there. She continues to fight the gremlin. Uh, you find out what was actually in the briefcase, and it was not what she said it was. And it turns out she was lying about her orders and who she is, and that causes a lot of problems. So it's a horror flick with the gremlin, which of the gremlin is very well done. It's an action flick because it's a war film, and you've got all these these dogfight aerial dogfights. It's it's an action flick because she's like John McCain, except on an airplane that's moving and hanging upside down. Uh, so immense strength. I mean, she could climb anything on the planet. She could probably climb things on Mars for that matter, which you mentioned in another show. So <laughs> yeah, you have to suspend disbelief big time in this movie, but the effects are well done. If you can just kind of go with it, it's very entertaining and she is tremendous in this film. She is great so all props to chloe grace moretz she basically makes this film uh made almost nothing at at the box office and of course box office doesn't really mean much these days but i can see that it didn't really do that well on imdb has a rating of 4.7 so most people aren't really fans actually did better with the critics and i do agree with the critics this is this is an entertaining fun film like you said with Running Man. Running Man definitely takes some suspension of disbelief. So does this. Um, but absolutely, if you can go with that kind of a vibe, absolutely recommend Shadow in the Cloud. Yeah, it's not going to get nominated for anything. And that's okay, because it is a fun, entertaining movie. And that's that's fine. No Golden Globes, which is fine, because we're not watching those anyway. Right. We're not. <laughs> 
But we've given you a few other things to keep an eye on, and I think all of them we can get at home now. And, uh, yeah, even if you've gotten your vaccine, stay home because you can technically still spread COVID. So, <clears throat> Yes, you can. Damn you, science. Or something like that. Anyway, yeah. We've given you stuff to watch, so stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Dawn, that's the end.